this uh, Top Chef uh, woman, she had a child with heavy D. Hmm. Just so you know. That's Antonio that is... Lafazo. <laughs> Who is the Top Chef woman? What, is that, Antonio is that from a show called Top Chef? Yeah, it's a show called Top Chef. I don't watch and, those. Uh, I don't watch those cooking shows. I, I, I don't either, but uh, apparently Heavy D did. Well, because he had a child with her. Rest in rest in peace, Heavy <laughs> yeah, D. Rest in peace. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. The fifth column. Greetings. Welcome back to another installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. I am Camille Foster of something called Freethink Media, and I am delighted to be hanging out with you again today. Really delighted to have you back. Uh, We are prepared to help you exercise your critical faculties to nurture your healthy skepticism of the universe I, I really ought to write my, like some sort of interesting like <laughs> intro that contextualizes this thing that we're doing. Um, and by we, I'm referring to my co-conspirators who join me here uh, in the studio, this luxurious studios in, in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, Michael Moynihan, contributor to Daily Beast and Vice News. Hi, and I'm sorry by the way. That was my that was my ice. Yeah, can I was not. Yeah, I had an ice coffee. Brain. I didn't realize it was going to be. I thought it melted. You're already derailing us. <laughs> Uh, Matt, Matt Welch, editor, yeah, editor right. of Reason Magazine. Matt is uh, has fully recovered from his uh, from his illness, uh, which kept him from joining us last week. Yeah, I want to thank uh, the listeners out there for your flowers and, uh, and, and prayers your, and sure. your prayers and candy. Yeah. That was yeah. very was helpful. Great. Yeah. And all of those praying that Matt would die a horrible death as a consequence of this STD he contracted. Well, he's been <laughs> healed. He's yeah, been no, I, I mean, miraculously I, I, I feel bad about praying for that, but you, you shouldn't. I mean, penicillin is a wonder drug. It's, 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 it's good to have it back, Matt. That's wrong. That's a terrible thing to do. <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, uh, it, it was a very long, uh, difficult weekend, uh, gentlemen, and it has left us with a, a fair amount to talk about. On, on Saturday morning, I woke up and I was really shocked to hear the news of, uh, I believe her name is uh, Christina Grimes, uh, who was murdered in Orlando, Florida. And I thought for sure at that point, you know, well, this is something we'll probably talk about on the podcast, you know, just this really awful story. Um, She was a singer on The Voice um, and the prevailing accounts uh, are that she was shot after a performance someplace backstage um, at the venue interacting with fans and someone walks up and and murders her uh, and then takes their own life. Uh, Details are still sort of coming out about that. But I mean, this was in Orlando, Florida. And later that same night, um, additional uh, tragedy strikes, more violence, uh, resulting in the death of 50 people, including the shooter, uh, and wounding about 53 more people. Um, we're only a few days removed from those events, so it's certainly appropriate to, to be cautious um, when we're counting what we do know. Um, but again, prevailing accounts uh, indicate that there was a lone gunman. Um, he was armed with some sort of rifle. Initially, we were hearing that it was an AR-15. Um, it sounds like it was a a Sig Sauer. A Sig Sauer, yeah. Um, now, and, and I mean, this is several days removed. We're finally getting these reports um, after a lot of ink has been spilled about the AR-15. Um, the assailant was uh, a practicing Muslim, from what we understand. Uh, and during the attack, he uh, he did, in fact, uh, pledge his support for ISIS or allegiance to ISIS. Um, also seems that this, this attack was very obviously targeting homosexuals. Um, and, uh, reportedly he had a a history of making violent, racist and homophobic comments so much so that he was under surveillance by the FBI. 
Um, the Islamic State has also claimed responsibility for these attacks, but it is still unclear whether or not there was any sort of material support being given to this gentleman by the Islamic State. So there's a fair amount. That's a fair amount of context. And, and again, I qualified some of it. And the reason I did so, um, and, and I think we're going to get into a bunch of different stuff today, you know, the gun control narrative, the gun rights advocates, the Trump Clinton speeches that we've heard, the president's comments. Um, but the first thing I wanted to say, you know, Matt, you and I um, hosted a show um, like on a nightly basis uh, over at Fox Business for a while. And one of the things that always filled me with angst was when there would be these really hot stories and you have to go out and talk about them despite the fact that there is just not a lot of detail. And oftentimes people get into those situations and a lot of folks start speculating. I've, I've always appreciated that on our program, we didn't do that sort of wild speculation. We would try to have informed conversations and sort of qualify things for folks. Um, but the reason I got nervous about that was because I know that once you get the false account or the false details out there, that stuff is just, it gets lodged in the public consciousness and it doesn't go away. I mean, here we are decade, a decade plus removed from Columbine, for example, and people still believe the early accounts that these were loners who were targeting African-Americans and Christians and jocks when it looks like the evidence suggests that the situation was bit more complicated than that. And that's not what happened. And even here in the early days, we thought it was one weapon. It appears to be another. There was a guy in California. It's not clear what his intentions were. Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts when you first heard the story? I mean, uh, uh, talk about a similar, first of all, to get straight to, to that part of the point, every single big breaking tragedy is going to contain a, uh, uh, a huge amount of initial misinformation. I mean, I think it's a rule of thumb. Assume that 90% of initial reports are going to be wrong. There's going to be multiple shooters. Uh, there's not a multiple shooter. Right. Think about um, Hurricane Katrina for a second. How many people still believe <laughs> that, there were, that there were refugees uh, on rooftops firing guns at helicopters? Crazy black people firing guns at helicopters. Yeah. How many people believe that? Didn't happen. There is not a single documented case of someone on a rooftop shooting at a helicopter. And because that was spread around at the time by a ton of people, um, including I think Tiger Woods helped spread that one around as, as far as anyone else. He was like on a golf course and they interviewed him. He's like, yeah, man, they're just shooting at helicopters. It's crazy. But partly because of, of reports like that, it slowed aid. It slowed. I mean, people might have died as a direct result of that particular misinformation. So if you go in there knowing that a lot of it is going to be false and you and you respond accordingly in your own personal life, you can avoid making these missteps. I mean, uh, I, I, Moynihan is very soon going to out old man me here in this conversation because he always does. But like part, but part I'm of, younger than you. Just saying, I know he's much older. Man. No, I know. That's uh, true. That's but true. like part of of uh, of learning how to do journalism is you don't say something that you don't know is true. And it's not that hard to avoid doing that. I, a lot of people in these situations and partly because uh, at a libertarian magazine, they're like, you know, uh, uh, so how come you haven't come out and said X, Y and Z about this shooting right now? And partly because the world is coming out and saying X, Y and Z and X, Y and Z is wrong. Yeah, I am not going to contribute to the wrongness of this conversation. And let's focus on what the things that we do know. Um so, yeah, that's a that, that's a huge part of this. There, uh, there is an annoying corollary here that happens when these these things, uh, the, something like this terrorist attack or shooting happens. 
where you have journalists on Twitter. Now we have Twitter where journalists can come and, and do their moral grandstanding. And it's always like, you know, everything you hear is going to be wrong. Do not pass on this. And everyone just starts finger wagging at you. But the thing about it is, is that this is true in almost every situation. There's no way of stopping it. And one of the most important elements of it is the stuff that is furthered is usually ideologically furthered. Hmm. So, I mean, we don't want to say X, Y, and Z because it might not be true. Okay. But there's stuff that we don't mind not checking because it fits a greater narrative. So, for instance, as Camille says in The Way In, AR-15. AR-15 has been used in, you know, Newtown and, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, the the shooting at the movie theater in, uh, in um, Colorado, etc. So it's like, okay, this is the gun. This is the one that's used in everything. No one double checks this because why bother? When somebody says, you know, all the initial information you're going to hear is wrong, they're not talking about this stuff. Because the stuff there forward that, that, that is being put out there now, like uh, the shooter was gay. Was he gay? I don't know. I mean, very, very well might have been. Right. Um, he was on Grinder, and he was on these gay uh, the hookup apps. I haven't seen a single screenshot from any of these things. He, they, I have, did, they did interview an ex-wife who said, who, said, who said, well, she she said, I thought he had gay tendencies, and his father berated him one time for being gay, et cetera. And that, I mean, that could be, right. you know, a trigger right there. Who knows? Can we just but, for a second imagine if when Moynihan is cut down from his mass shooting, how yeah. many people oh would like, gosh. yeah, you know what, I thought he had gay Oh, no, no, I mean, my everybody in my 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 five year old daughter would say that. Yeah, I was like, God, well, I mean, one of the reasons was clearly that he was a, he was in a very very sort of open glass closet. Um, but you know, this is this is this kind of narrative thing. Is everyone says, oh, you know, there's these two things that happen, and one is don't spread the bad information, finger wag, finger wag. And this new one, by the way, that's driving me crazy now has been taken up by absolutely everybody, especially people in Congress now. Um, Jim Hines a congressman from uh, a Connecticut Democrat who said who, who is now on this thing. We don't want your prayers. You know oh, this yeah, one yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this happened the There's last prayer session. shaming. Right. It's prayer shaming is saying that, like, you know, thoughts and prayers. We don't want your thoughts and prayers. We want irrational action. By the way, <laughs> let's let's remember that the irrational action that everybody on the sort of libertarian side, a lot of people on the left, ultimately a lot of people on the right, denounced after 9-11 because it was terrorism and because it encroached on people's civil liberties and because it was championed by the Bush administration was a bad thing. Now everybody wants the same kind of instincts right now. When Hillary Clinton says, I want a 9-12 moment. Yeah. I understand what she means. It's a phony idea of unity. We didn't have that kind of unity. It lasted about a week. But, you know, the nine twelve thing is also being irrational about right. so-called solutions. Right. I mean, the, we got the uh, September 14th, so the nine fourteen movement uh, yeah. uh, moment, which Eli Lake has written about for a reason, among other people, our, our friend who's no, uh, you know, super civil libertarian necessarily. <laughs> necessarily. Um, but he points out that's when we got the authorization for the use of military force, which is still the paper on which we conduct wars in how many uh, countries right now. Okay, so we got that. We got the TSA. Great. Yeah, that worked out for everybody. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, the nine the 9-12 moment is actually a terrible moment. It's, it's a, a moment, moment that yeah. we all volunteered. And some of us have participated in this rhetorically. I, I mean, even while warning about civil liberties from the uh, from the moment. But you get caught up in, in everything. The one thing about the nine twelve moment that I wish we would see, that I do miss, um, and this is something that happened in the wake of uh, Bataclan and even the uh, Charlie Hebdo attacks and some other things, is I don't know, like twenty five minutes of people saying, "God, that sure was awful. What a dick." Yeah, we didn't have. I mean, I no. uh, these things always happen when I'm on airplanes. So like, I, I I get off a short flight from Toronto and there's been a shooting, and I'm already looking at my Twitter feed, and it just was already. 
the, the, the battle stations. I know. I mean, yeah. You're like the Justine yeah. Sacco of tragedies. I mean, oh, has Matt landed yet? The second you land. No, and it really is. And I, if you look at like my Twitter feed from that day, I think I responded to like Michael Brendan Doherty and didn't tweet a thing because yeah. I was looking at how quick this was developing and I was sort of sickened by it. And I, I guess that's my own moral grandstanding in a way. But it really was because everybody was taking, as you said, they were, they were manning their battle stations and it was about guns. Right. On one on one level, it was about Islam and terrorism on another level. And everyone fell very neatly into their little boxes. And I would add this, too. It was about the word about. We've talked previously on this show about uh, what about ism. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's it's the Cold War uh, era thing where, you know, uh, some terrible thing happens far away. And you say, well, what about America had, uh, you know, Jim Crow South, that kind of stuff. It's a way of, of deflecting the original question. And uh, and also pointing inwards at America. Well, there's about is one of the most popular tweets that I saw out there was from, um, I think, Jeffrey Goldberg of The Atlantic and saying, you know what, this can be about guns and about homophobia and about immigration and all this kind of stuff. It, it, yeah. Well, think about the 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 work being done by the word about is remarkable <laughs> yeah. there. It is an attempt. It's a for, heavy lift. It's an yeah. attempt for people to say that my the, the thing I want to argue about here um, it can and should be applied to this thing, right? Uh, even if I don't know what the details are so far. Well, there, there are. I mean, it's there's a tremendous amount of emotion, and I think there are there is a public that desperately wants to understand and contextualize all of this, um, which generally leads to um, oversimplifications and, and rush to judgment and, and all sorts of uh, bad conclusions being drawn. Uh, there, wa- there is one um, sort of pervasive headline that I found. Absolutely everywhere. And it was the fact that this this uh, the shooter pledged um, allegiance to ISIS um, during the 911 call. Um, And when FBI director Comey actually talked yesterday, he said that there were three calls Um, that one call. It was sort of he called and he hung up. Uh, and in another call, um, and in the two consecutive calls, he actually ended up talking about ISIS, talking about the Sarnoff brothers who uh, conducted the bombing um, and, and had, had no to connection ISIS. to ISIS. No. Um, and then he talked about another gentleman who blew himself up and I believe was connected to the Al Nasra front. Um, Al Nusra, yeah. Al Nusra yeah, yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, but Al Nusra is apparently currently fighting ISIS <laughs> yeah. in Syria. So it is this it's actually, sort of incoherent, it, yeah, it's actually more confusing than that, weird yeah. kerfluffle of yeah. ideas that, yeah. that it, it all sort of seems to stitch together, but not really, yeah. which makes we, one wonder uh, about the ideo- ideological questions, which uh, I, I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's even more confusing than that, because uh, colleagues had said that he uh, praised Hezbollah. Right. That's and he, right. I mean, he plays playing praising his family members who are in groups. Af- yeah. And he's all over the place. But, you know, with Islamic extremism, it's something that we demand a certain level of consistency on a certain level of knowledge. Whereas, you know, Dylan Roof or something could support, you know, one racist uh, group that, uh, uh, you know, was uh, Rhodesian and was maybe fighting the South Africans or opposed another racist group. I mean, we just consider that all the same ball of wax. But what happens with guys like this when you have uh, Islamic extremism is that this guy is basically, you know, not kind of ideologically literate. And this is what you get with a lot of guys that go from Europe and fight uh, in, in Syria. And grab a that copy that, of Islam for Dummies yeah, on the way exactly. out exactly. I mean, that's becoming a bit um, overplayed and a bit of a myth because there are a lot of people that are very, very serious about this stuff. But this guy, you know, listen to Anwar al-Awlaki, all the I mean, they go through this thing where they say, you know, 
Islam for me is representing, you know, a, a distaste for American foreign policy, whatever it might be. But no, the fact that it's not coherent, I think it will sometimes be used as a way of dismissing it entirely. Because, you know, the guy had a – the reason there was three phone calls because, you know, 911 is instructed to call somebody back. He called them and he hung up and they have to – you know, they call them back. So they call him back and he starts, you know, blathering on as he's sort of slaughtering people about the bombing in Syria, the, you know, America's uh, role in the bomb. So I go kill gay people. There's not a lot of coherence to it in any way because the act itself is incoherent. It's an incoherent act to go and murder people in a gay club who are doing nothing but dancing because you're upset about something that happened in Syria. To give that any credence whatsoever is, is I think, in, in a lot of ways, pretty shameful. Well, I think uh, what the ideology at play, I mean, there's, there's, there's the, the, are you, you know, coherently uh, adhering to a group, uh, an organization? So far, we don't yeah. see any evidence of that really at all. And we see evidence actually to the contrary, as we just brought up. Um, but then the thing that's more scary, uh, the two things is one is that there's just sort of this sitting thing. Let's call it let's call it radical Islam. And, and uh, I think we'll play some uh, Hillary Clinton <laughs> thing and talk about the stupid semantics of it all here in a minute. But um, uh, it is an available tool for which people and and this is semi new here now in which U.S. citizens, people who were born in this country, the San Bernardino shooter, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't, although I forget if he was born in this in, the, in this country, but this guy certainly was. Um can use to justify things. And that's frightening because if there is someone who is an American citizen who's totally here legally, who decides to adhere to this because it's a romantic kind of semi-death cult or whatever, or, and maybe it, it overlaps with your critiques about X or Y or maybe not, whatever, um, it's really hard to do anything about it. And you see already in uh, in the statements from both the presidential candidates. I was on Red Eye last night with Tom Shalhoub and he's like, we should be uh, so I think we should be able to deport or put on Guantanamo anyone who cheers uh, uh, any American who cheers. Yeah, that's uh, not, that's uh, not how that works. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, but like that, that is the instinct to deal with this uh, because people there's a there's this uh, Americans will refuse to grapple with their own sense of non-omnipotence uh, and this is something that hillary clinton um said and i want to talk to you about this with michael a little bit in her speech yesterday she said we can't uh we can't contain this radical islam we or isis uh we have to defeat it yeah. um this idea that america uh has this kind of as camille was putting it before we started the show is this sort of magical thinking that there is an available mm -hmm. magical wand that we can wave and a thing a a, 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 a whole way of action, a whole possibility for shitty life will disappear. We don't have that power. My question to you, Michael, since you are someone who, for personal terrorist reasons, <laughs> uh, know everything about 1970s left-wing yeah, violence sure. all over the West, yeah. um, did that go away because we defeated it? Did that go away because we contained it? Uh, what was the kind of... Did did what go away? Uh, the B Bader Meinhof gang, the weathermen, the uh, okay, so the, the radical extremists yeah. in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. Got it. Um, to play the semantic game that I guess Hillary Clinton and everybody likes to play right now is that we did win um, the 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 sort of forces of good against those forces of of a very particular type of evil. But was it as a reason? Yes. But but and here's the big caveat: mm -hmm. we didn't we didn't destroy it. It didn't go away. We just won in a sort of larger strategic sense. Those people still exist. I mean, the two guys from Bader Meinhof ro robbed a bank last week. 
Really? This is actually true. Uh, 60, 65 year olds of the third generation of the Bader Meinhof. These people don't go away. They, we, you can deal them a sort of systematic defeat in which, you know, I mean, look, you can say whatever you want. And I don't want any interest in opening up the can of worms from listeners or whoever about Israel. And about Israeli policy, Israel is never going to defeat the the, the Islamic Jihad in in, in Gaza, uh, Hamas in Gaza in that systematic way in this way that Hillary Clinton is saying they will be destroyed. It's not going to, but they can contain it in that sense. Nineteen ninety one, the Cold War is effectively not effectively it is over. It doesn't mean communists don't exist anymore. They just right. meet in basements and they just kind of like you know you know start magazines like the Jacobin, but they don't they don't, they don't control countries anymore. Whereas the problem with with this, you know, kind of Islamic extremism of of this stripe is that the idea of defeating it is so different than the idea of defeating the Soviet Union or the Bader Meinhof with that as actually an organizational structure. They have cells, etc. These kind of lone wolves of people that are inspired by the psychopathic ideology of Saeed Qutub or al-Zawahiri or al-Baghdadi or these people, they, they, they you cannot defeat that idea, it's not going away. It's too because here's what what people say that we, we should defeat it, right? You have a Frank Gaffney of the world, complete idiot that he is, say we can defeat this. We have to defeat radical Islam. What is Frank Gaffney going to say to you in the next breath? He's going to say this is not a a, a small idea. This is not something that ten people have. This is if you look at the Pew polls, an enormous number of Muslims hold these views, right? This is what Frank Gaffney says, and then at the same time he says we can defeat this. Now, think about those two things next to each other. If it is seven people that are, you know, students and spontes in, in, in Frankfurt wearing fucking helmets, having long droopy mustaches and getting handguns from the PFLP, you can probably defeat those guys. But if you're Frank Gaffney and you say that this is a systematic problem, and I believe that there is a tiny element to truth, of truth to that, but he completely makes a hash of it. But if you say that it's that deeply, you know, settled inside this community, this religion, this region, how on earth do you expect to defeat that? Because what we discovered in, 19, in 2003, 2004, 2005, is that as well-intentioned as we were, Iraqis, you know, being under the boot heel of Saddam Hussein, were not interested in, in their mind, being under the boot heel of democracy. They were not interested in that. So what do we do? What do we do? We can't defeat it in that way that we defeated the Nazis, that we defeated the Japanese, and that we defeated uh, the Soviet Union. And, and it's interesting. I mean, there there is... Uh there's a couple of different conversations happening here when we talk about sort of terrorism and the tactic of terrorism. I mean, this is something that we've seen for a very, very long time. I think just last week and probably before that, uh, and not for the last time, um, I talked about the, uh, the anarchist uh, terror campaign that started in like the late <laughs> yeah, 1800s um, and ran through like the early um, 1900s. Killed, an killed, killed an American president, yeah. killed several heads of states. Yeah. Um, and is this why you're an anarchist? World War by one. Way? No, yeah. it's not. Okay. Um, <laughs> just because I'm, I'm not that sort of, I'm not yeah. that sort of anarchist. Okay. Um, but, but I mean, what, what we actually see happening there with this particular tactic is small groups of people find themselves with access to these incredibly destructive weapons, these bombs that they can use on their own. Yeah. Um, and, also find themselves with access to an emerging mass media technology that helps them communicate these deeds as as words, so to speak. Um, and that is a pretty powerful combination. And it it's eerily similar to what is taking place today. And, and I do wonder oftentimes when I hear people talk about defeating terrorism, um, defeating a tactic seems very strange. Like, I don't know that you can actually do that. That doesn't sound like a practical 
goal in any way, shape, or form. I mean, uh, you could defeat terror groups. I mean, I guess if that a group but even, that, that even is their that, primary tactic. But even that, like yeah. Audrey Audrey Kurth Cornyn, for example, um, has done a lot of great writing on this, and not not only her, um, but most of these terror groups do not actually disappear because of some sure. military interventions, for example. Yeah, totally stuff that we've done yeah. that's been effective yeah. um, is actually freezing assets that are going to um, supercharge an organization like Al-Qaeda. Um, at the same time, there can be little doubt at this point that there were certain things that were done um, to Al-Qaeda uh, that, well, to the in the situation where we we're trying to address the situation with Al-Qaeda that actually led to the circumstance we find ourselves in where we are dealing with this, this organization called ISIS now. Um, but I, I want to, I want to see if we can't um, pivot to this, this question of like ideology and radical Islam um, of it all. And um, there have been a couple of things that have emerged. I mean, Donald Trump is very quick um, to criticize president Obama, who, when he gave his remarks was careful not to use the phrase radical Islam and, and really did seem to be very carefully not doing that um, and went out of his way to say that we're not at war um, with Islam. Um, Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, um, did in fact use it, and uh, here's here's some audio of her. See if that works. Being lone wolves, a top priority. Whatever we learn about this killer, his motives in the days ahead, we know already the barbarity that we face from radical jihadists is profound. As president, I will make identifying and stopping lone wolves a top priority. Now, I know a lot of Americans are asking how it was possible that someone already on the FBI's radar could have still been able to commit an attack like the one. And what more we can do to stop this kind of thing from happening again? Well, we have to see what the investigation covers. All right. It's two two separate threads there. But the, the key thing is that she's willing to use the phrase. And I guess that the issue that I have with sort of the generalization about radical Islam. Um, and, you know, Trump is one example, um, but other more thoughtful um, academic scholarly uh, conservatives had had have had similar criticisms of the president. Um, I think it was uh, John Podhorowitz who, who wrote something in, was it the post uh, where he talked about um, the president not being willing to talk about this and it being sort of akin to a surgeon who isn't real will, willing to talk about the specific sort of cancer you have. And by not naming it, we're not able to treat it effectively. I mean, we talk about magical thinking, like having this talismanic phrase in a way um, that is somehow supposed to give us the ability to really discern what's going on here and disentangle it. Uh, that seems a little out there to me. I don't understand. And maybe I'm just I'm, I've lost patience with 15 years of this bullshit discussion. Um does John Podhoritz, who's, you know, a friend and, and, and uh, uh, not really, I like John. We're not friends. We, I, he's, never, he's never invited me over. Yeah. John, I'm calling I'm, you. I've invited you. never over. invited me over. He, Camille a, invites he, me over. I don't go. He's a very That's nice true. Guy. I like John. He's, he's a, nice he's a super yeah. nice guy. Um, but like, do, do conservatives who use this argument, do they think that President Obama doesn't think that there is an ongoing kind of important fight with radical Islamists. So it's not clear what Donald Trump thinks, but that's a separate matter. But I mean, I mean, do do they do they think that Obama is denying that we are fighting and we are the target of um, attacks 
from people who are radical and Islamic. And I, I, I just don't I don't even yeah. get what the fucking can, I, is can I maybe explain this to you? Because I have been on this side and your side of this argument for a very long time. And I've been thinking about this a little recently. And I'm kind of coming around to this idea that, you know, Nidal Hassan's uh, uh, massacre at Fort Hood was a uh, instance of workplace violence or that, you know, we, you know, th- this shift between two phrases is that I don't want to use the phrase radical Islamism or, or Islamism or radical Islamist or whatever it might be, because I don't want to paint with a broad brush that all of Muslims will know that that modifier radical is meaning you're not actually painting with a broad brush. You're actually saying that there's a radical element within a large, large one. 0.7 billion people religion, which uh-huh. there is, which there is um, in the thing that I guess where I am is that this the fact that this has been what it's indicative of is not how the war on terrors, quote unquote, is fought by the Obama administration. It's about how we as a nation deal with this issue in this kind of mealy mouthed way, in this kind of weak need way and the type of thing that gives rise to people like Donald Trump. There is a reason that the phrase political correctness, which actually used to mean something, has now been completely bastardized and ruined by Donald Trump so much so that I will never even utter it again unless I'm <laughs> making fun of him. Um, there's a reason that, that resonates. There's a reason that he is going on and on and on in the past 48 hours about how nobody will say this phrase. Because what it does is it triggers in people the fact that, you know, we we can't call the enemy by its own name. This is where we are in this society. And I think there's a certain amount of truth to that. And a certain amount of truth, what, is, it, is it the most important thing that we should be discussing? Absolutely not. But I'll give you an example. And I know Camille and I have talked about it. One of the dumbest um, people in media today, um, and I, I, I share a masthead with her sometimes, is uh, Sally Cohn, <laughs> who I'm sure is a nice enough person. I've never met her. But she is... She is, sure. I mean, she's almost, she must be deliberately stupid. The, the things that she says and tweets, just look at, like clockwork, her and Dean Obidala, who also writes for the Daily, Dean Obladi Oblada comes out of that's, nowhere. That's racist. No, it's not. It's just, it's a rhyme. Uh, it's a Beatles <laughs> reference. Uh, Which was racist. Every, every Probably. <laughs> Every time something like this happens, you have a conversation about Christians within two seconds. Well, well, there are Christians that do this. They're, you know, Sally Cohn, they're, you know, the people that blow up, blow up uh, uh, abortion clinics. The the number of people killed in abortion clinic shootings and or bombings was about a quarter of the death toll of what happened on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. The idea that we have to last 20 years over the last 20 years, it doesn't mean this stuff isn't a problem. It doesn't mean this stuff isn't disgusting. I am an atheist. I am pro choice. The idea that there is some sort of moral equivalence between this stuff is an instinct that overwhelms so many people in the media that I saw in the past you know, 48 hours, as Camille said at the beginning of the show, of like, when we were talking about this, of the narrative that's developed. Now it's got to be about guns. Why? Because it's a great way of not talking about the other issue that well, nobody wants to I wonder, discuss. I wonder I, if there's I find, not... I find that somewhat persuasive. I wonder if there's not something else, though. I mean, I, I would agree with you that... that trying to draw a straight line to the Christians and say, Hey, look, they do crazy things too. Yeah. Um, is wrong, but it's wrong for similar reasons. Um, to, to why I think that the phrase radical Islam can be problematic. And it's because it does require this dramatic oversimplification of everything that is going on underneath the hood. Um, the fact that there are in fact, these various factions that are, in conflict and in contest with one another, that even the people who oftentimes, sometimes take action on behalf of these ideas 
aren't necessarily serving um, a, a religious cause. And in, and in a number and in another way, I think that creating sort of this single mass, this this readily identifiable population, radical um, Islamist actually gives credence to the notion that there is a place where we can go, where we can sort these people out. Um, where if we fire enough guns and if we drop enough napalm that we will finally fix this, all we need to do is disrupt the operations of ISIS. All right, all right, History all right, suggests right. that 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 probably ain't so. I, I want to I want you. I'm going to I'm going to elect you president of language <laughs> right now. It. If we're going to have fucking semantic conversations constantly and by we I don't mean us three. Uh, but uh, the country and more importantly, Twitter uh, after every <laughs> every one of these things. OK, so you don't like radical Islam as a as a as a, a, a I'm, I'm just saying it's problematic. OK, so yeah. it's hashtag problematic. What name will you give a category to which so far what we know about the shooter is like, you're right. He wasn't necessarily affiliated with ISIS or Hezbollah or that. What do those things have in common and what would you put the name on it? Right. What, what's, what well, is Camille Foster? None of them like gay yeah, the first, But the first <laughs> thing, but the first thing well, is... No, 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 no. What's, what's your term? No, I listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I want to interrupt me, you. But for me, the first thing is not that the unifying factor here is that they he happens to kind of sort of believe the things that ISIS and Hezbollah and these various distinct uh, dis- separate organizations happen to believe. He is a terrorist, first and foremost. He is engaged in terrorist activities, which, again, is a tactic and not a coherent set of beliefs. Um, I think that's sort of the first thing. And I can set that aside. Still has the, the fact, question. The fact that he happens, the fact that he happens to be Muslim and that there are some radical, um, radical Islamic elements there. I'm fine calling it that in general. I am acknowledging that there is a problem with potentially oversimplifying the nature of what it is we're facing. And it's the reason why when something like this happens, whether or not ISIS lends superior uh, material support to the guy, Ted Cruz comes out and says, well, see, we've got to go and we've got to take out ISIS. Well, these two things don't make any sense at all. See, here's like, what going I, I and going and knocking off yeah. ISIS doesn't yeah. actually doesn't actually make certain that we, this doesn't happen again. In fact, it going in and confronting them militarily could, in fact, inflame the situation further and it and it makes them look ever more strong when you acknowledge their phony claim of credit and authority responsibility for things that they didn't have any direct responsibility a f- for. A few a few points here. The first one it. is that you know if the United States or France or or or, or Italy or whoever is giving material support for airstrikes against you know um, ISIS positions in Mosul or, or or Raqqa or something has literally nothing to do with uh, a guy who was born in Yonkers and who hates gay people and is on 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 grinder and and decides to kill fifty people and yeah. you know shoot up forty nine others. I don't think that there's a relationship there. But I would say also that we cannot let the instincts of the stupid dominate the narrative that is true by which I mean, you know, we can't, we, uh, we don't want to talk about this because people want to go bomb ISIS. If we were to kind of massage language in such a way, because Americans tend to have very bad ideas about a lot of things, we would be changing the language on almost everything. I agree. And in fact, that's why these conversations are happening because that's left and right in this country have converged very hard over the last 15 years 
to realize, I mean, the the post-structuralist, and I don't even know what that word means, they have won. They have sure. won. It's it's all debates over language. It's all debates over semantics right. for precisely that reason. People want to, in a very like 1930s way that George Orwell is the most gifted writer talking about, there were lots of fights over language in the 1930s, too, for very similar Politics reasons. Politics in the English language. Yeah. I mean, here's the question that everybody has to ask themselves. I mean, you said this uh, You said this phrase is that, you know, he happens to be a Muslim. He doesn't happen to be a Muslim. He is a Muslim. And okay. one of the That's reasons fair. that he is motivated to act in the way that he, he, he did is because of a very particular interpretation of his faith. It's not, again, uh-huh. do, I mean, are we actually at the point where we have to clear our throats every two seconds and say, well, not everyone. I've I, never said no, I, mean, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't think I you have this, to, but, but everybody there, else says this all the time is that I, I mean, who, if there are people that believe that every Muslim 1.7 billion, of them, they are hopeless. There's no way of throat clearing that's going to make the, them the, say, oh, oh yeah, no, I see that. <laughs> but here's the difference. And here's the thing that, that, that bothers me is that if you see the way we uh, handled the the abortion clinic attack in Colorado just recently. The way that people talked about the ideology that underpinned and undergirded that person and that shooter and that psychopathic terrorist will see a very different way of people treating that than this. I'll give you an example that nobody has. I should maybe not spoil I should maybe write a piece about this and not just give it out. No, no, give it out. There's there's nobody. Here's the thing that I was thinking of. I sent Camille Foster a clip that I just happened to come across from when I was at Reason and I was quite fat too, by the way. I was a big cherubic (laughs) and I was on CBC and I was talking right after the Jared Loeffner shooting of Gabby Giffords. Canadian Broadcast Company. Canadian Broadcast Company and um, I was, Corporation, and I was uh, ganged up on by by the host and this, um, you know, halfwit sociologist from McGill or something who, you know, <laughs> writes about uh, Jacques Derrida in his free time, who is telling me and telling everybody that what we can trace this shooting to is the fact that Sarah Palin had some sort of graphic that had a, yeah, a right, uh, the violence at the tea party know, well, no, crosshairs. And, had, and a crosshairs on it. Yeah. Now. We knew nothing about Jared Loeffner at the time. This narrative still exists today. It has not died, to Camille's point, about stuff that's true and stuff that's false and that that, that lives on in perpetuity. He never he wasn't a Republican. He knew I hate Sarah Palin, but I even I wouldn't blame him for this. There's no evidence that he ever saw that. But we were willing to to excavate something that was in proximity to him geographically, right. not that he had ever seen, and talk about this as an ideological thing for weeks, two days before the shooting, two, three, four, five days before the shooting, and a mom from Manchester, England, came to Orlando and gave a lecture in which he said all gay people should be killed, and we should do it rather quickly. This was days before in Orlando. A radical, and this was covered by the local media. Yeah. This guy goes, and no one is talking about this at all and say, well, oh, it's totally incidental. Well, no, it has there, nothing there's to been, do with this. Really. No, there are people. There's but been conversation the, the about that. The same people that want to uh, take these completely tenuous associations between the ridiculous Sarah Palin and the psychopathic Jared Loeffner sure. are saying, yeah, I don't really see the connection here. It's just that I mean, they're really serious. But there really is that that magical thinking really does happen on the right, too. And you said if there are people oh, who no believe doubt, that, no that all of no these doubt. Muslims are terrible. Oh, no you doubt. know, there's no hope for them. Yeah. Well, one of those people is the nominee or will be the nominee for president sure. from the Republican Party. Yeah. And he said just yesterday during his remarks about sure. this, that the Muslims have to work with us. They know what's going on. Yeah. And, well, and he didn't yeah. he didn't only suggest that about <laughs> the Muslims in an interview yeah. on uh, I believe actually I think he did it in multiple interviews, but I know he did it on uh, Fox and Friends. Um, he even suggested that the president was either incompetent 
um, or stupid mm-hmm. or perhaps he and he suggested he intimated that the president may perhaps know what's going on as well because he's I suppose let's, a secret let's, Muslim. Let's, can we I mean, parse that? that let's, let's, get that. let's read the quote. Yeah, I didn't get what he was saying there. Talking about Obama. This is a direct quote. He doesn't get it or he gets it better than anybody understands. It's one or the other. Uh, he, it's not tough. It's not smart. Or he's got something else in mind. Right. What does that mean, though? I mean, what is, it, the, what is the implication? I mean, I, with Donald Trump, I believe anything. If he's well, let's implying take it, that he's a Muslim, let's take it in I, context. Yeah. yeah, let's take it in context. I mean, this is the same guy who, for a very long period of time, was pursuing the theory that the president had lied um, about his place of birth and had a phony birth certificate I think he's and suggested one of the yeah. reasons why he had a phony birth certificate was because his birth certificate might say Muslim on it. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. But that's what he suggested. And, the, and it's the same guy. And, and it's, he didn't and even suggest whole, it. He said it. Yes. That's <laughs> true. And his whole. No, he, 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 he always posits the question. Yeah. He's just asking, just asking questions. questions. He's just asking questions. His whole. Uh, and Jesse Walker has a great piece in Tuesday's LA times. This is Tuesday that we're talking about. You'll hear this on Wednesday. Um, uh, about this, I mean, his whole selling proposition as a candidate, I mean, he's a nationalist who talks in conspiratorial ways, uh, as, a, as a descriptive word, about the other, the the foreign menace, you know, the, sure. the, the devious Chinese who are playing us, you know, better than ever. The, the Mexicans who are doing with their immigration policies even worse than what Fidel Castro did with the Muriel Boatlift. There's always these super clever outside other or you're a dupe. And right. with this Obama thing, he did both at the same time. Totally. He's either too stupid, doesn't understand anything, or there's something else going on here. I'm just asking questions. I mean, look, I'm I am not the guy who is going out looking for dog whistles that aren't there. Um, in this particular case, he is he is all oh, but saying without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I just I mean, I hear I hear that register that whistle. Uh-huh. I'm just like one of those dogs who's chasing his tail, saying I don't know exactly what he's trying to say. Yeah, because I mean, it is clever in the sense that. It can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. I mean, the, the, I mean, think of it this way. The Washington Post, who he banned from covering his campaign <laughs> now, which, by the way, everybody was very, very upset about. They hadn't noticed that, you know, where I write periodically, the Daily Beast has been banned from, from Trump events <laughs> for a long time. Banned. BuzzFeed's been I banned. Huffington Post has been banned. Political has been banned. And it is, you know, it's, he's within his right to do this. It's a private. These are private events. It's a private campaign. He can do that if he wants. It's a really, really, really bad precedent. And it's ugly as can be but the washington he did this because the washington post headline about this was that he uh what was it it said uh and, and the washington post actually changed this headlines mm. so this this headline this is why the dog whistle is in such a weird register right is that it's like a rorschach test in the sense that the, the washington post said um trump implies that what was it that uh obama was involved i think that was the the, the it's yeah. involved mm-hmm. in the uh killings in in orlando which I mean, that's a, that's I mean, that's pretty crazy. I didn't get that from from it. I got what Camille got was that, you know, this guy, if he's not a Muslim himself, he's really kind of sympathetic to this stuff. And he just doesn't want to give Muslims a hard time and say, you know, I mean, that's insane. I mean, that's and that's clearly yeah. what he's what he's well, lurching towards. Well, this is this is the reason why I, I just worry about the, the word policing. And, and as I mentioned, I mean, Donald Trump was one of the many very vocal voices out there saying we have to call this what it is. Radical Islam. And it's because there is but this even, grouping even, and lumping together. Well, even he does I, the th- uh, not all Muslims thing. Yeah. I mean, even he of does course. that. I mean, yeah. it's it's because 
It would be so colossally stupid to, yeah. to suggest. And there he, are he people that suggest both. this. There are yeah. people like, um, like Robert Donald Spencer, Trump, actually. He does both. who is a guy that was unfortunately popular after after 9-11 for a very brief spell. Uh, Pamela Geller, Geller, who is a this plastic surgery disaster, um, who inherited a bunch of money and decided she was an expert on Islam. Um, I'm sorry, but it's true. Uh, it's true that she's not. And these people definitely say this stuff. These yeah. people definitely say this stuff. I tend to believe that their influence is, is, is a lot less serious than people think it is. Yeah. I, I mean, Donald Trump, uh, I, I appreciate, uh, Camille, that you don't like to call people racist. And I don't either. I think that's the, one of the most overused and quick to go to descriptions. Well, I like of people. to use it when it's appropriate. Um, it is appropriate, I think, to say that Donald Trump is a collectivist. He assigns collective mm-hmm. pathologies to populations who are not part of the favored majority in this country. And he does it repeatedly. And Mm -hmm. it's the basis uh, in many senses of, or one of the bases of his candidacy. And he reiterated in his press conference on Monday that we, that the Muslim ban is a great idea. Yeah. And the Muslim ban is not a great idea. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, It's a incredibly should be disqualifying idea uh, uh, as a presidential candidate for a thousand reasons, not least of which is that, um, you know, some uh, the, the notion that we can't take people from countries where the countries are themselves are lousy yeah. uh, goes against a whole hell of a lot of really po- positive immigration that's happened in this country from the Soviet Union, from Cuba that's ongoing from a whole lot of different places where we, you know, in Cuba, we don't have, we, we don't do background checks of those people and they're much more likely to be part of a spy network than they are. <laughs> they are, it, yeah. they come from Syria. It's not I, even close. I think the word is tribalist, Matt, not, not collectivist in this context. They're, they're related, but in this but context, he's assigning, he's assigning collective, yeah. uh, like a responsibility, co- collective, yeah. Guilt, collective guilt. Collective yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a quick, a quick point yeah. that to, to which I think is uh, kind of interesting to the idea of the dog whistle is that he doesn't. It's almost like you know only hearing a dog whistle because he doesn't speak in anything but a dog whistle. So, for instance, this is true. When he's talking about about uh, the terror attack in Orlando, and he says. You know, how did we let this? I mean, okay, he was born in New York City, right? How did we let this guy's father in when he had these radical views about the Taliban? When he was allowed into the country, the Taliban didn't exist. It was the mid '80s. It was when you know the Mujahideen was fighting the Soviet Union, and he's saying like we should allow that we should have this sort of time machine. I mean, and, and it's so preposterous that somebody of Donald Trump's sort of moderate intelligence should also even get this. But he, I mean, he knows that this is a silly thing, but because everything is subterranean. Everything's working on a, a, a bunch of other levels. The other thing to your point about the tribalism, there is something generational about this and there's something regional too about it. Donald Trump is of a certain generation. He's from New York. And if you go see Colin Quinn, the great Colin Quinn's show, A New York Story, which uh, was an off-Broadway thing that just finished, it is a great example of how people in New York used to talk about tribes. You know, this neighborhood were the Poles. This neighborhood were the Guineas and the Italians. Polacks. This na- yeah, Polacks, the Guineas. This is the Greeks. This is the Puerto Ricans. This is the Dominicans. And every – this – Tribal thinking is the is the the kind of area, the time and the place in which he grew grew up. And so anybody that challenges that is some sort of unbelievable merchant of political correctness. Yeah, yeah. He said not saying that times have changed and it's a, that shorthand from the 1960s about New York neighborhoods and ethnicities doesn't really apply anymore. He's like, oh, you guys are all politically correct and crazy. I mean, that's just the kind of cauldron in which yeah. he was kind of raised. And it doesn't surprise me that he talks like this. Well, well we're running pretty thin on time. I definitely want us to get to some of the, the magical thinking on the left, which for the most part 
is primarily about guns. Um, the president in his immediately res- immediate response to the tragedy uh, had this to say. Today marks the most deadly shooting in American history. The shooter was apparently armed with a handgun and a powerful assault rifle. This massacre is therefore a further reminder of how easy it is for someone to get their hands on a weapon that lets them shoot people in a school or in a house of worship or a movie theater or in a nightclub. And we have to decide if that's the kind of country we want to be. Now, the president had that to say. Um, Hillary Clinton echoed similar sentiments. Uh, Here she is. I believe weapons of war have no place on our streets. And we may have our disagreements about gun safety regulations, but we should all be able to agree on a few essential things. If the FBI is watching you for suspected terrorist links, you shouldn't be able to just go buy a gun with no questions asked. Yeah, you, you shouldn't and you and you and you can't. Um, but uh, facts don't seem to matter. Um, th- it is interesting to me that when Donald Trump comes out and he talks about these issues and he says he won't call it Islamic terrorism, folks understand, at least on the left. They understand that he is politicizing the issue uh, when folks talk about uh, gun prohibitions in the wake of tragedies like this in the immediate aftermath. Um, there isn't the presumption that they are doing that they're doing it for good reasons. They're doing it for no reason. I think they've, they've embraced this now, though. It's a, the, 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 the new response to this stuff is and it's part of the prayer shaming. Um, is that, yeah, let's politicize. We should politicize this issue, yeah. damn it. And we'll politicize it by talking about how the NRA is evil and should probably come under a terrorist attack itself. Mm. Uh, I mean, Igor Volsky, who is the single most irritating person on in this country, that's hard. Uh, <laughs> And the wake of any shooting event. I'm he's, Googling him right now. Uh, I know the name. Uh, he's, yeah. I, I forget who he's affiliated with. Uh, he spends every, every post-shooting thing um, uh, trolling all Republican members of Congress uh, when they say thoughts and prayers go out to the families of the victims and say, you received $4,000 from the NRA in 2013 and you voted to uh, you know, keep uh, guns in the hands of terrorists. You know, and and he and he'll do a hundred and ninety five of those tweets in a day, yeah. and everyone's like, Igor Volsky gets it, yeah, uh, and yeah, this kind of stuff. Yeah. And first of all, four thousand uh, dollars <laughs> as a political contribution doesn't really signal uh, anything. And second of all, I mean, those terrorist watch lists are not things that are, for example, approved by the ACLU, which rightly points out you can get your name on a list in this country, and there's right. lots of different ones. Right. Terrorist watch list, no fly, uh, list, no fly list. Really hard to have any kind of sense of due process of how you got your name on there. Right. Steve Hayes, yeah. conservative commentator of Weekly Standard and the Fox News, uh, his name was on the no fly list, right? Uh, yeah, brother of my uh, business yeah. partner, Dan Hayes. Yeah, full yeah. disclosure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Teddy Kennedy's name was on was on one of these lists. Uh, it should have been uh, the, the no you know, drive don't don't allow you know, yeah. drive um so I mean, you have these and obviously to make the joke but the the, the cheap joke but it's true i mean if, if we're going to go around and saying being subject of an fbi investigation is right. going to disqualify you for some shit uh hillary clinton's got some problems so, so let me let me ask let me ask listeners out there let me just put a counterfactual to you here there's a muslim guy 
he's, you know, a little confused, a little mixed up. He has some political opinions and he said some things to his coworkers that are a little radical. You know, this is but he's never done anything wrong. He's never done anything wrong. And he decides that he wants to go buy a gun. He's been visited by the FBI three times. And the FBI says, guy doesn't guy doesn't do anything. That, you know, for most people in the kind of, I, I think, green walled landia would say there's a little bit of a harassment at this point of this guy has been pulled in three times, not connected to any terrorist groups, not connected. They, they let him go every time. And then he goes to exercise one of his constitutional rights. And we decide to abridge that right because he is a scary Muslim that said some scary things. Right. We would have prevented this, uh, as the theory goes, we would have prevented uh, this terror attack. But, you know, I mean, look, (laughs) can you think of other times when people, um, you know, so sort of broadly on the left, I would say, I think there's people on the right to say this, too, that would be opposed to, uh, you know, taking Muslims, you know, in treating them as a separate class of people that do not have the same constitutional rights as other Americans. And people say, how could you say this, Michael? This is completely crazy. The guy went on a shooting spree. I am just dealing with what the information the FBI had the day of the shooting, which was no information that this person had done anything wrong or done anything illegal. This is pre-crime. This is the idea, the Philip K. Dick idea of pre-crime, and mm-hmm. it's the idea also of a thought crime, of that the thought crime in this instance definitely presaged an actual massacre and an actual crime. That doesn't always, that's not always the case, because the other thing that people um, that know a lot about uh, Islamism, for instance, say is that this percentage of people are Islamists, by which they mean we want a theocratic government that is governed by Sharia law, etc., then percentage of those Islamists who are violent, violent is actually vanishingly small. So most Islamists aren't violent. Minority of minority. Minority of a minority, mm-hmm. right? So at that point, when you are taking somebody with, an, with Islamist beliefs and striking off their constitutional rights before they do anything, you're in a really, really, really tricky situation about due process. And this is a country that thankfully affords people due process. But the thing about due process and about the Constitution and about this country and about our legal regime is it isn't perfect. And if we are going to be search for perfection in, in the in the idea of searching perfection to actually abridge rights that have long been established, we're up for a really, really, really difficult. Time. And I would point out that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, both uh, in the wake of the San Bernardino attacks, went straight after the First Amendment aspect. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton said we have to work with Facebook and social media to shut down these appeals and these celebrations of violence, right. which is not just an abridgment of free speech, which is a, its own uh, problem here. But it's also really stupid if you're actually in the business of investigating terrorists. Yeah. How do investigators of all stripes, governmental or not, find out that you're up to no good? They look on your Facebook page because you're an idiot and you don't know how to cover your tracks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Donald Trump, who also said we need to shut down parts of the Internet, will work with Bill Gates to do this. What they're saying is we don't want to be able to track these sons of bitches. Mm -hmm. That is the exact opposite operationally that makes any sense. And then just as a practical constitutional matter, you can't shut down free speech in this country. Yeah, I don't want to create like a false equivalence here, but but it does seem to me that there is at least in in character and effect the same sort of uh, demonizing going on when the president, for example, says that anyone who didn't support this particular piece of gun legislation uh, that I think is good and noble and virtuous is obviously operating under the service of the NRA. 
he keeps saying it, like the NRA, like that is what's happening here to say that. And then to say on the other side, anyone who disagrees with me, anyone who refuses to call it this particular thing, um, clearly they are either total idiots and morons or perhaps something else more on nefarious. The yeah. They're working with them. And, and granted, one is clearly more disgusting, it seems, than the other. Um, but but are they? I mean, the, the notion is that anyone who disagrees with particular sorts of, of prohibitions on, on firearms or um, registries of people who want to purchase firearms um, is obviously hateful and doesn't care if people are indiscriminately killed in the streets. Um, that, uh, I don't know, it just, it sits wrong with me. It, granted, uh, of course, was, they presume that these, these rules will work for the same reason they presume the there's, TSA there's will the work. I, there's the but. idea that, that, you know, when we talk about religion and talk about the religion of the shooter and his ideological motives, that everybody becomes incredibly nuanced. They understand the nuance of everything, right? I am not a huge fan of the NRA, actually. I think that as an organization, I think there are a lot of problems with it. And, I, you know, I'm also just not a gun person. I just right. I grew up in Massachusetts. I'm not a gun person. I am not a gun grabber either. I, I, am, I am kind of a gun person. I own, I own firearms. I know you do. I know you do. That's why I'm terrified of you. But, uh, you know, so. <laughs> Andy's I, an anarchist. I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he oh. talked about on this episode assassinating presidents. Oh, God, I did yeah. not. Actually, I brought that up. I brought oh. that up. It was an anarchist thing from the, you know, 18. 70s but but all of this stuff when it comes to nuance we want we want tremendous amounts of nuance when we talk about the religious because we don't want to trust people we never we, we always know better three minutes after a shooting on twitter in brooklyn in bushwick <laughs> better than the guy who's actually doing it well i know what he actually is, means for this because he's a closet case or something not because he's you know hates wants to throw gay people off buildings in raqqa it's i know better i just i just i feel it in my bones so we want to have that nuance but when it comes to the issue of actual guns if you go to people that i know journalists on twitter go to a dinner party in 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 in, in brooklyn go to a dinner party in manhattan in la san francisco and tell me this tell me if you asked everybody and and i advise people to do this amongst your liberal minded friends if you were to say do you blame the nra for those 50 deaths on orlando 49 deaths in orlando I would be shocked if you found some if you couldn't find someone at that dinner table that, that didn't say, yes, of course I do. I mean, yeah. the Daily News, that's their cover, that's every, their cover every in day. the wake of yeah. every one of these things. Yeah. Uh, part of the magical thinking, Adam Gopnik, guy from The New Yorker. I was on Bill Maher, which we talked about last week, uh, but previously with him after right after the Umpqua shooting. Um, and uh, and he said and he wrote, we know how to fix gun violence mm, just as yeah. surely as we know how to eradicate disease. Mm -hmm. That is yep. such magical that, fantasia. That it's incredible. Amazing. And I think part of that is that the people who argue about this and, and one part of this is this sort of the big sort, the ideal, the ideological shifting that we've seen into camps. And so people aren't exposed as much to other ideas and they just can't. They've gone crazy. But also the uh, gun kind of control side has lost the argument. So what you're, uh, they lost the big constitutional argument in this country. They've lost the cultural argument, whether they know it or not. Uh, um, and so they expressed the same kind of bewilderment at this world that doesn't make sense to them as we see the people who are anti-abortion. I mean, it's really actually a very similar type of thing. This, hmm. this sort of like, I can't believe I live in this fallen world here with people 
They must be corrupted by like dirty money or dirty yeah. organizations. You know, it, it can't just be that the majority of my fellow citizens and also the majority of Supreme Court justices are on the wrong side. You know, the nation has a big uh, piece out today. Pass this around to all your conservative friends. The uh, the Second Amendment was never about an individual right. Unbelievable. And it's like, you know what? There, you can read. <laughs> you can actually read, I don't know, some books by liberal scholars and jurists who say, sorry, you know, all of our scholarship on this for decades was embarrassingly thin and shallow. And for once, the uh, the conservatives and libertarians had a point. Uh, they're not interested in that. They're interested in emoting their own sense of powerlessness and, and outrage and, and heartbreak after seeing horrific things happen. Isn't yeah. I mean, the one that, that drives me crazy, and I've seen people that I respect posting this, um, you know, the the founders never intended the Second Amendment to cover this. And there's a picture of a musket versus yeah. a picture of it uh, in AR-15, which, which, of course, again, wasn't the gun that was used in Orlando, which, of course, the I mean, I think people have probably made this argument. And it's a pretty obvious <laughs> one to make back is that they didn't really, uh, you know, the First Amendment, they really weren't thinking of Twitter either. I mean, the idea <laughs> that, you know, we have to stop technologically in, you know, 1791 is pretty amazing to me. This idea that like, well, they never intended, they never had the vision of this. They never had the vision of the internet either. They had the vision of, you know, owners of newspapers. Does that mean we should abridge the right of people who are on the Blogspot platform because the First Amendment never imagined that? It's a, it's is a really, Blogspot still a thing? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so stuck tripod, in 2002. Tripod.com. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I just, that, that kind of thing, this kind of stuff which is which is there are i want i should probably do a piece about this of the 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 post uh orlando cliches of like we don't want your prayers because your prayers don't solve yeah. anything only gun control can solve things you know we this is not what the founders intended these are weapons of war these are automatic weapons by the way of course this is pointed out by a lot of people they're not automatic weapons automatic weapons have been banned since the 1930s in almost every the uh, weapon of war is the m16 yeah the ar-15 which again was not the gun used which in the m16 <laughs> can go full auto or it can shoot on three round bursts with one pull of the trigger the whatever the guns that were used in this shooting are one pull one shot well, we we haven't fixed this and yeah. i was i was hoping we would um and there are so many like just completely reasonable <laughs> um um arguments against uh, a lot of the gun gun prohibition stuff um that we we didn't get to um but it's it's out there and it is uh painfully obvious there was however a question that came in um via facebook uh matt welch to me um yeah about our conversation last week about these genetically modified mosquitoes yes um and i think the the effect of the question <laughs> is why wouldn't is he libertarians is he question being, explaining yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to to give you the question yeah um so you can respond to it before we uh before we punch out here but why wouldn't libertarians like you weird people who who write at reason and and those weird people who read it whoever they are um why wouldn't libertarians be more concerned about sort of the potential externalities of weaponizing or modifying these mosquitoes and letting them out into the world, couldn't they screw things up? Don't we see government screwing things up all the time? Shouldn't sure. there be some precaution there? Sure. There should be a precaution. Why shouldn't there be? Okay. Um, it's possible to hold two different uh, ideas in your head at the same time. Like um, 
fracking, for example, uh, natural gas explosion or natural gas uh, increase in this country um, lowers the amount of carbon that we produce. And also we should make sure that it's safe in terms of methane and water and water wells. You can think both those things at the same time. Um, we should look at genetically modified mosquitoes here and we should also do what we can to make sure that they're safe. Um, uh, and I say that um, also, uh, and I wish that that kind of uh, ability and desire to make sure of two things at once uh, extended to our friends who are blindly against all genetically modified crops in a way that is leading to contributing to the starvation of people. Yeah. Um, they, all the science is in as much as science can be in on the subject. The science of genetically modified crops, not mosquitoes is in, and it says, cool, bro, they're safe. No problem. Stop worrying about it. Um, and yet people are standing up against it. So yes, of course you should look to make sure it's safe and that we don't introduce some horrible new thing. Um, also mosquitoes suck and they should die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so else. we are about at the end here. Uh, Moynihan, did you have any, any parting shots? I, I, you know, I have a quick, uh, um, uh, very quick, uh, some idiot uh, wrote this. I, I knew you I, would. I got, I got two of them. Actually. I knew you. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> well, they're on the same. You, you only get to choose one. You're well, not come on, to bring they're, the on the, one. they're on the same thing. Right, well, do it fast. That, do it fast. Cause right. people like this. So they, do. Um, so here's the deal. Um, when we were talking earlier about uh, how a terrorist attack like this is always taken as an opportunity to push your particular political agenda, your bailiwick, your ideas, um, m my, my favorite one uh, was uh, the kind of radical feminist, should we say, I guess, view on this, which were two pieces. One uh, was in the uh, magazine Quartz. Which mm -hmm. is uh, which is a um, I think it's owned by the Atlantic. Uh, so anyway, Quartz, <laughs> Quartz, and uh, Salon. I'm just pulling these up. And Salon was by the uh, fantastic uh, Amanda Marcotte, who um, has never found a, a subject that she can't make incredibly dumb. And overcompensation nation. This is the headline. It's time to admit that toxic masculinity mm. drives gun violence. Mm -hmm. um, now Quartz had uh, the very same kind of kind of uh, argument that said that the uh, gun culture is driven by masculinity. So we are two steps removed, by the way, from a radical Islamist. We're now just talking about gun culture. And then one step further, we're talking about masculine patriarchy. And there was a couple of other pieces that I saw this week that or this weekend that said we cannot eliminate this stuff until we eliminate the patriarchy, which strikes me as so far from the original Cause I mean, go big, go big or go home. Go big Does or this go involve home, right? castration or shots of estrogen? Because I, 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 I have a preference if I have to choose between the two. I, I mean, it's, it's like, definitely castration. You know, our national attachment to dominance models of manhood is a major reason why we have so much violence. So the the difference between there not being any sort of violence and I don't know Japan and there being quite a bit in the Islamic State, the difference is they're just more masculine in, uh, yeah. in Japan. Mosul. They got bigger uh, swords, bigger they machetes. Big, they got bigger swords and they have uh, you know uh, what is it uh, machines that sell used underwear? And stuff? Well, perhaps, perhaps they're less perhaps they're less masculine. I got I, I got I don't, I don't know I got I one I wanted to sneak in even I'll though go we're running late. Go for uh, it. Professor Anthea Butler, who I oh, actually gosh. I actually like her. She's funny. Uh, yeah. Follow her on Twitter. Uh, she went on a flag day rampage uh on twitter and one of her many uh, was it flag day today yeah oh, uh, uh, donald trump's birthday and flag day is that a coincidence i don't <laughs> think so um, uh she says 
Are we going to remain the shame of the entire world because we won't stop the sale of AR-15 rifles and guns that are only for killing? Let's count the number of errors. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, one, AR-15 wasn't using this uh, thing, which we now know, and and, uh, that's clear. She she didn't know. She gets a pass for that. Okay. Two, you can buy and use and possess AR-15s in most of Europe. Mm-hmm. In Germany, even in France, under a limited license circumstances, it's a popular rifle. I, I didn't end. actually, I didn't actually see that one coming. It's, it's also worth mentioning uh, a small percentage of those guns are ever used in the commission of a violent crime. And worth, it's, it's worth a, noting. It's also worth noting that um, in Paris there have been uh, two major terror attacks. Actually, a terror attack yesterday too, where two people yeah. were killed by by a, a, somebody who uh, claiming allegiance to ISIS. That um, and the two previous terror attacks, which were mass casualty attacks, uh, were both um, uh, done with Kalashnikovs, which are not um, um, legal in France. You can't buy them over the counter. Yeah, but well, somehow they managed to get them. Because they really wanted to commit a terror attack. And they were like, you know what? I know it's illegal, but I'm going to do it anyway. So well, That's because immigrants are bad, Michael. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. You said that, not me. I'm very pro. Yeah. Well. Not pro those people. I'm, I'm, pro, lots of, I'm pro lots of things. I'm, I'm certainly pro um, everyone who uh, has been listening to this podcast. We've been doing it for a, a number of weeks now. Uh, and uh, every single week, the numbers of, uh, of listeners, downloaders, whatever you want to call yourselves, um, has been going up. Um, thank you very much for um, hanging out with us. Uh, please do share the wealth. Don't don't hoard this. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell all of your friends. Uh, please do do the uh, iTunes YouTube review. Not YouTube because we're not there yet. We will be. Um, and send us send us a note. Visit us at yeah. uh, dot com and and hit us up on Twitter. Um, tell us what you think. Tell us what you're thinking. Um, and as a parting shot, I, I, I name checked um, Audrey Cuthcornan earlier. Um, her book, uh, How Terrorism Ends, um, I believe it's How Terrorism Ends. Um, if it's not, it's Why Terrorism Ends. It's one of the two. You should get that and read it. Um, it it's quite good. Um, with that, we gone. We out of here. Later. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse.